0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket Bats, quality bat makers since 1919. Yeah, you don't have to say bats.
2: (laughs) We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.
1: Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight And sat across from me in the studio, a little bit hyper from too many frozen Kit Kats But otherwise ready to go, it's Tony Kerr Hey How's it going, Tony? Yeah, all good, cheers I feel like I haven't seen you for a while,
2: what's been going on?
1: You've been avoiding me?
2: Uh, Again, yeah, a little bit, yeah. a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, no, you should bring it up. Uh, I don't know what we've been doing—working, uh, blitzing Game of Thrones <laughs> before the new series. You know, all the important modern tasks. Really, yeah. like any other person of a certain age, who's uh, just assuming all responsibility to catch up with Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's been a few
1: times recently where I've I've asked you out places, or I've you know tried to see if you're free to come and do something with me to come out and play uh and you're like no sorry man i'm too busy and I, I always you know i respect that and think like oh he's obviously busy with work but actually it turns out you've been watching about six
2: episodes of game of thrones a day yeah i mean you unleash the beast really you've been badgering it you yeah know, this this show that you've recommended me i've not heard of it before, yeah a little but... indie show yeah uh no it's good it's interesting <laughs> it's good that's your reviews yeah i mean uh, yeah we're not here to talk about game of thrones but are we not <laughs> it's it, like it is all right it's it's pretty good I mean it's st- <laughs> you're trying to sound cool
1: by like keeping a lid on your enthusiasm for Game of Thrones but just before we started recording you're like yeah I love it I love it I love all the violence you said I, d- I, I love all the gratuitous that.
2: violence that's my favorite bit <laughs> uh no it is uh, it is a good program yeah I'll give them that <laughs> anyway on to the cricket yeah we are here to talk about cricket more so
1: than we're here to talk about Game of Thrones and uh, yeah we've got a lot of cricket to get into today the IPL is happening uh, so we'll be catching up on that and particularly one incident from the IPL which more or less broke the internet uh last Monday which was when Ravi Ashwin mancaded if that's the past participle Joss Butler um so yeah I mean we we need to have a chat about that So the, the world and his dog have, have given their opinion on this incident but but we've kept our counsel so far and and obviously ours our opinions are the only ones that actually matter um, so, yeah, we're going to be delivering the uh, the Capital V verdict on that incident later on. Uh, but first, Tone, we've got a guest. He's been on the show a couple of times before. Jonathan Liu, uh, who is the chief sports writer of The Independent, is coming on for a chat. In fact, he was also, Tone, fact here for you. He was named Sports Writer of the Year by the Sports Journalist
2: Association earlier this year. Yeah. Well done, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, were we shortlisted in any of those awards? Uh, do we even count? I don't know. What, as journalists? Just as anything, really. Have we ever been shortlisted for anything? Game of Thrones Podcast of the Year. Yeah, exactly. And the Sports Journalist Awards. <laughs> I mean, have we probably been shortlisted by me for things I need to cut out of my life to make myself less stressed <laughs> one stage or another
1: <laughs> <laughs> you drew up a list <laughs> yeah. number one podcast underlined three yeah. times
2: um, <laughs> shortlisted by your girlfriend <laughs> yeah. things that you want to cut out of your life to create more time exactly mm. but fortunately we didn't win that so yeah, yeah.
1: You were shortlisted for co-host of the year at the World Cricket Show Weldy Awards. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Unfortunately missed out. <laughs> London correspondent Gordon McRae taking home that gong. Uh, but you know, it's, it's nice to be nominated, isn't it?
2: But it's nice to have actual award winners on the show. I,
1: uh, yeah. I... I haven't won any awards. I, neither of us have won any awards for anything ever. Is that fair to say? want <sighs> won some prizes at school. Yeah, prizes. English that- <laughs> prize. <laughs> 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 Was it our friend Nick, friend of the show Nick, used to win the Endeavour
2: Award. Yeah, general (laughs) endeavour.
1: That's So so (laughs) patronising.
2: It's almost the only time actually in my life where I can think of the word endeavour is actually used, (laughs) isn't it? I did win, as we've talked about (laughs) far too many times on this show,
1: I did win second 11 player of the year in upper sixth. Remarkable. Was was handed the award by the cricket coach, he said... He always tried his best. He came along every session, gave it everything. Didn't get in the first 11. Wasn't good enough for
2: that, but very handy in the second 11. Yeah, I was the captain of that team, and I'm not sure I was consulted, (laughs) because I would not have given it to you. Not only were you not consulted, you weren't on the list, on the short list. Unbelievable. And once again, uh, funnily enough, I I might have mentioned it before, but the coach, our old coach, uh, asked me ages ago, to if I'd like to uh, donate, uh, a, uh, I don't know, a trophy or or something for second eleven player of the year, which would have been called the Kerr Trophy or something, <laughs> the Tony Kerr Award. But I've, I've never, I never got around to actually going down and getting it. it was just a <laughs> story so, of your life, story of my life. So there's there's uh, there's probably half a dozen award recipients who uh, who could have been you know tweeting about the Tony Kerr Trophy and haven't been which I've been missing out on vital social capital you need to sort that out
1: yeah it'd be quite a big deal now as well because you're verified on twitter so a bit of a local celebrity <laughs> you know these kids would probably be quite excited to win that award at this point
2: point. and i suppose if you can't win an award donate one <laughs> yeah. then your, your name is is literally the name of the award it's an winning it once you may as well it's genius so jonathan lewis the sports, <laughs> sports Journalists association
1: sports writer of the year i 'm the second eleven player of the year. Tony might be donating an award, so similar levels of uh, of press entertainment yeah. Um but yes, uh, Johnny wrote a terrific piece uh, last week about the hundred, uh, which is something that we talked about a lot on the podcast, obviously the the new domestic i was going to say t20 but that 's the point not t20 tournament uh, that the ECB are bringing in for next summer. Uh, so that was an excellent piece well worth a read and yeah we invited him on the show to, to have a chat about it
2: yeah I mean it, it, you know, talking about Game of Thrones it, the 100 is in a way isn't it it is cricket's winter like, the 100 is coming and mm. no one knows quite what it well no one really knows what it looks like at all but they know it will almost certainly decimate cricket the long night is coming Nick Knight is coming <laughs> <laughs> better get into it <laughs> Yeah, we spoke to Johnny uh, from Liverpool Street Station, uh, he was telling us that he'd just been to play a football match, which didn't happen, so uh, he at least had plenty of breath. Uh, for a, a nice long chat about the 100. But uh, yeah, you can hear a bit of hustle and bustle in the background. So that's uh, that, that's yeah, your explainer as to where Johnny was. People running to catch trains. Um, so shall we shall we get
1: started, Tone? Yeah, go for it. Well, we're, we're going into the podcast now, Johnny. So prepare for us to get extremely professional. Okay. <laughs> so, Johnny, thanks very much for coming back on the show. We thought it would be good to have a little chat with you about the 100 because you wrote uh, a really interesting article um in the independent the other day uh, There there's a really kind of co- it's quite a sort of comprehensive uh outline of where we're at now how we got here but i was hoping like perhaps to begin with could you maybe sort of lay out for us like what is the best case scenario as far as the ecb are concerned like obviously the hundred has had a pretty you know well certainly a negative reaction it's been a lot of very negative publicity almost a hostile reaction uh, from a lot of people perhaps including uh the two of us on this podcast um but so why are the ECB doing this like what is their rationale like how have they come up with this format what are they hoping to achieve with it
0: yeah so I mean over the, over the last couple of years uh, the ECB did a, a lot of market research they hired a lot of very expensive agencies uh interviewed a lot of children which I mean I'd love to have been in the room when when that happened uh and found that that cricket was essentially so far down the list of sports that are relevant to the younger generation that uh it posed an existential threat to the future of the game so they've they've come up with this which again has been really extensively focused group uh they are after mums and kids essentially um and particularly particularly mums and i i know i know there's, there's been there's been a little bit of uh comment about the specific targeting of the, of the mums element i think mums network were consulted as, as part of their, their their market research and uh, the the difference the main difference between the 100 and the existing t20 blast is that this essentially is supposed to be over and done with by a kid's bedtime so uh games will start at about 5 30 5 5:30, 5 5, thir- five it'll all be done by 8:30. and the best case scenario i guess is that it generates plenty of buzz. That they manage to, to to sell out the grounds. That they get decent ratings on on BBC Two or, or BBC Two and BBC Four. I think are the um, I think are the, the channels that are being earmarked to to, to show some of the games. Uh, the rest of them, uh, the, the majority of them, being on Sky, essentially to to discover a new audience for the game that that has never come to a cricket match before. Uh, on along the lines of the Big Bash. Uh, I think. It might have been three years ago now or maybe two or three years ago when uh the Melbourne derby between the Melbourne Big Bash teams, neither yeah. of which I can actually name, uh, got a crowd of about seventy or eighty thousand at the MCG. And this just after a, a test match had, had had been played out in front of largely empty stands and, and, and that for a lot of people at the E C B was it was a, a real wake up call. So, they, they, want, they, want to, they want to get the eight biggest stadiums uh, and fill them out and, and, and put it on, on free to air telly and essentially rejuvenate the game and, and bring new people to it. And, and it, it's, it's also important to point out from, you know, that from their point of view, it's not, this isn't just this isn't the sole plank of their strategy, they, it's linked to things like the All Stars uh they want to get you know these kids that 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 come to 100 games playing the game as well um and so i suppose you know to to answer your question they they want to create enough of a buzz around the game uh and get enough new people in that it feels relevant and it feels like an event when the the tv rights come up again for tender in about 2022 2023 they can say to the broadcasters and the sponsors Look, we've we've got new people to the game. Uh, there are kids playing cricket, and and um, then all bugger off and go to their their very like, lucrative jobs in the public sector, uh, private sector. I mean, yeah, it's uh,
2: it's lofty ambitions, I guess. At this point, I, I, the the thing that uh, got me and Adam smiling, and I think a few people recently, was Tom Harrison's comment that it's already been a success, the hundred. Uh, <laughs> and you know, when you read your summary of uh kind of yeah what what, where we're at and and how we've got here you know there's still so little known about any aspect of it really uh and you know in sort of more widely in my life no one i I can't think of a single person who's even mentioned the hundred let alone kind of wanted to have a conversation about it from you know the people you spoke to or you've spoken to uh and you've you've sort of included their thoughts in that article Do, do they do they agree that it's been a success so far already
0: um it's been a success in that they managed to sell the rights for a hell of a lot of money. A billion pounds was was the figure that was uh, I think a slightly massaged figure uh, that, that was bandied around for the sale of the TV rights to the BBC and Skype. So for a lot of the counties, they have already won. Uh, they're guaranteed one point three million pounds each for the next four years. For some of the smaller counties, certainly that money is going to secure their future. So yeah they they have already kind of got a windfall from it the corollary of that is that when it comes to actually selling this new tournament and getting fans into the ground and getting people to watch on tv a lot of the people within the game are not as invested in that as they would be if it was you know their own t20 blast campaign so there's a real concern amongst a lot of counties and a lot certainly a lot of people within the game that let's take a you know London games pretty much sell themselves. I, th- I think the Oval, the Oval will be full, Lord will be full. Southampton and Cardiff are really going to struggle to sell out because Glamorgan and Hampshire are not really that invested in, in in selling it because they they've already got their money. They don't they don't have a, a massive marketing budget as it as it stands. And all the risk is being taken on by the ECB to to sell their games. There's a very real risk that when when this finally does come round next summer. Not a huge, not a huge amount of people are, are going to come through the turnstiles because there's not a, a huge cricketing culture in those towns, and and the ECB have really got their work cut out. They've got a massive marketing budget. I think it was, you know, I, I can't remember. You'll have to read the piece that I wrote, which <laughs> I've, I've now I've now forgotten the exact figures, but it's something it's something like four hundred thousand pounds or eight hundred thousand pounds per game, the marketing budget to get people to to turn up. But 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 the important point to note is that. Very, very little of that is going to come from the existing cricketing public, so Hampshire members and Glamorgan members as and, and there's not too many of those either are, are not not necessarily going to come to this competition. The entire risk for that is is going to be laid uh, at the ecb so so they're taking a, a massive gamble here and, and there's there's a bit of a concern about about whether the grounds are are actually going to be full and, and how that's going to look on telly
1: it is a huge gamble as you say, and they seem to have uh up front about that in some ways and that they you know the the original announcement they were saying you know yeah this isn't really for cricket fans it's also like we don't even really want existing cricket fans to be involved this is for a new audience and that perhaps partly explains why what I mentioned earlier there has been such a, a negative reaction amongst cricket fans it, it, it has been pretty hostile has there been a slight change of tone from the ECB I mean yeah but Harrison perhaps with that interview that Tony mentioned, um, there's still maybe some kind of delusion going on. But is there a slight kind of softening of the tone? Do you think they they recognise that perhaps they made some mistakes in the way they they launched that competition?
0: I think there has been a softening of the tone. Actually, there's, there's been a little bit of a change in the in the message. What the what the ECB I think have recognised in 2019, as opposed to their strategy in 2018, was that you you can't actually do this without existing cricket fans. There's this vast corpus of non-cricket fans out there, but in order to get to them, cricket existing cricket audiences are going to be a huge part of of spreading the, spreading the word. And from the very start of this competition, the message coming from the ECB was, this is not for existing cricket fans, this is not for you. If you don't like it, you don't have to come and watch it. What's changed in the last few months, I think, is from, this is not for existing cricket fans, this is for new cricket fans, this is for, the message is now, this is for both audiences. And that's been accompanied, I think, with a, a softening of, I guess, the more outlandish ideas that, that were rearing their head at the start of the process. I mean, the ECB were, were very determined right from the very start of this to burn everything, just a blank sheet of paper, start again. What, How much can we change and still call it cricket? So there, there was a lot of talk of uh, abolishing LBWs. Uh, of of abolishing, you know, extras. What what they've what they've done in what, what they've done in terms of getting rid of overs. The, the the over is is no longer a thing anymore. That because that that was a big result of their of their uh, sorry that was a big upshot of their market research that people just didn't understand overs. But they they've had to row back on quite a lot of that. So what came out of the Test games that were played at Trent Bridge last summer is that this, this still actually does very much look like cricket and, and a lot of the changes quite apart from the 100 balls you know five balls from from one end and 10 balls i mean th- these are actually very minor rule changes and if i, I suppose the, the people involved from this from the from the start had had their had, had their way and, and, it, and it would have been kind of had their way unchecked it, it would have been a very different sort of competition it, it would have looked very little like the sort of cricket that, that we recognize so so both in terms of the the messaging and i guess in terms of the the, the rules and the format and the actual cricketing elements there has there has been a slight move back towards a game that, 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 that a traditional cricketing audience to, to to use that phrase would would be would be interested in as well
1: and is that partly why is that is that confusion then is that or well, not confusion but is that kind of slight mixed messages that have been going on and and and, and the change in tone that they've they've been almost forced to to adopt does that partly explain why it's taking so long to get anything agreed I was, I was quite struck by a line from your article that um 16 months out the 100 still has no teams no players no fixtures no sponsors no playing hours and only the barest of operable frameworks i mean w- what's going on here and, and have they got enough time before next summer to sort it all out
0: yeah i mean it's weird considering this thing came out in in 2017 and was supposed to start in 2020 you would think there, there would be plenty of time to get all this stuff sorted but i think the ecb were, were expecting this to be a much smoother operation than it, than it has turned out being it, it's been a real sort of back and forth bargaining process although initially they managed to to pretty much ram raid the thing through the counties with the promise of extra money the process since then has been a lot less smooth i, I think they were they were kind of expecting once they've broken the county they would basically have carte blanche to do whatever they wanted as it turned out the, the existing counties now want a much bigger say in, in the operation of these new franchises than the ECB were anticipating they wanted completely new staffs they, they wanted completely new uh playing rosters like basically everything to be wiped out and started started afresh and, and now they've been forced to concede that a lot of counties will, will have a pretty strong grip on, on on the franchises that are being based at their ground so for example, Warwickshire will have a, have a have a very strong influence over the Birmingham franchise. I think mean, you know farbrace will 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 be the you know, the head of that at Warwickshire, and likewise a, a, a place like Lancashire and Nottinghamshire. so yeah, I mean they, they've had to cede a little bit more control to the counties than than I suppose they were, they were expecting
2: yeah i mean do, do you think from at this point do you get the sense that or do you have a feeling that that the fact it's going to be on BBC and that's obviously been such a big part of driving the shape of the tournament that we don't really know yet, uh, but whatever that is, you know that that, that fact is going to be on free-to-air TV. Is that going to be enough, do you think, to carry it over the line and and, and you know make it the event they want it to be?
0: Well, I mean, let me let me answer your question with a question: What's on BBC One tonight?
2: That's well, a very good question.
0: You have no idea. When was the last time? Where was the last time you watched BBC One or BBC Two or BBC Four or like or, or had any idea what was on telly? Well,
2: I always tune like,
1: in for Mrs Brown's Boys.
0: Mrs. Brown's voice. But, yeah, I mean that 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 that's very much uh, you know, that's water cooler television, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if the hundreds really gonna really gonna get. I, I mean,
1: <clears throat> can't it, with Making
0: that. something free to air does not guarantee that people are gonna watch it. And the you know the the, the two word justification for that statement is Channel Five. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> yeah. making something available is is a, is a completely different beast to generating a, a committed and devoted audience to a, to a, to a product. So. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, putting it on free-to-air will will help ratings. It'll 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 maybe get people watching that that flicking you know flicking through the channels that that maybe have never seen cricket before. But but equally, it's possible that this tournament will get TV ratings of, of less than a million or half a million, and and then and really, what what's the point?
2: Well, I, mean, I guess in a way, you know, there are still a lot of people who would say that, uh, you know, cricket's it's like slow death if you like in the kind of public consciousness over the the last. Decade and everyone still talks about 2005, but has been the fact it hasn't been on free-to-air TV. People, so in, in a way, is this going to be quite potentially quite a useful experiment to to kind of prove one way or the other?
0: Yeah, I, I think cricket kind of missed its missed its window. There was there was a huge opportunity in 2005 to capitalise on on the, the massive public interest. I think something like nine million people watched watched the, the 2005 Ashes. And in the, in those 14 years, the way that we consume everything really has has completely changed. Certainly for our generation, certainly for the generation that that they're trying to get get through to, the, the, the kids are more interested in watching YouTube and 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 things like that, or, or their TikTok or, what, or, or whatever they're into <laughs> they're these playing days. Playing their Game Boys. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not sitting down with a whole family and watching Songs of Praise on a Sunday night. It's it's um. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's very clearly a strategy that's been dreamt up by sort of, you know, men in their 40s and 50s. The ECB were very sensitive to the to the criticism that's been leveled at them for more than a decade, that they basically turned their back on free-to-air telly. They've reacted to it far too late. I mean, by the, by the time this, this tournament ro- rolled around in 2020, the audience that they were trying to snare has gone. We, we talk about best-case scenarios. The worst-case scenario is that they end up with a, a really tainted product that nobody wants to watch and they've burnt the entire domestic game in the process of doing so
1: well yeah it's it, it's quite high stakes isn't it and as you said earlier like that's why this is such a gamble in a lot of ways because you know to have a kind of a, a, a planned strategy to alienate or not necessarily alienate but the, the, to to not market to existing cricket fans is a huge gamble because if you don't get that new audience. What what have you got? And and you're absolutely right. Like just putting it on free to air isn't enough alone. Like there's got to be it's got to be a good tournament that people actually want to watch. And and you know, Tony and I have talked about this a lot, but but my feeling with the hundred is is it potentially it's almost like perfectly pitched to fall between two ideas that could work. Like either on the one hand, you have a proper T20 tournament, you try and emulate the IPL or the big bash. And you really go after existing cricket fans, and hope that you get new fans that way, or you do something genuinely radical. And I don't know what that would be, but that, that really does entail a complete reimagining of the sport. But actually, I feel with the hundred, it's not—it's not as revolutionary as it seems on the face of it. Like just just shortening it slightly and getting rid of overs, it, it doesn't—that to me doesn't seem like that big a deal. But actually, what it's—it's it's just enough of a change to alienate yeah. existing fans so for me it's kind of hard to imagine anyone buying into it but I don't know what you think I mean obviously clearly I'm getting the sense you have quite a lot of misgivings about it but do, you know do you think that it could be a success
0: well I mean it's, it's it's hard to know what success looks like and I think that this has been another thing that, that's come through from from talking to people nobody really knows what a successful benchmark would be whether whether it's social media engagement whether it's participation which ultimately that's got to be the goal, right? Getting, getting kids playing cricket and watching cricket and talking about cricket, creating a, a show, you know, a really sort of a really slick television show is, is not a way to grow a sport. We, we all saw, well, we probably didn't, but you know, like like something like splash on, on ITV or, or, um, or, or that, 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 gymnastics thing that they did on, on, on BBC. Did that get yeah. people, you know, did that get, you know, young kids going to, you know, gymnasiums or, 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 or did did that get kids into diving? No, because it was a, it's it's a self-contained television event, and you you can't build a sport by exemplar. You have to you have to create a grassroots strategy around it. And if those if those two things aren't linked, you, you don't really have a coherent strategy. So whether a kid is going to watch I don't know Birmingham against against Trent, you know the Trent Warriors on a, on a Thursday night and think right, well I I, I quite fancy doing that. I I, I don't think so. And and the other the other point is that that without a global, without a global uh, element to it, without this format being taken up around the world, it's very hard to see how it survives. No other country has, has really shown any interest at all in, in taking on the 100 ball format, which is why that, uh, you know, what one chief executive I spoke to was fairly clear that after 2024, this this might well revert back to being just another T20 competition because you, you, you can't sustain a format that nobody else is playing. Uh, certainly it's certainly not sustainable stay on, on a sporting level and if it if it's just kind of a made for television event then it's hard to see where you know a wider strategy fits in around that
2: it's going to be interesting to see when 2020 comes around and that that first 100 match is played just how you know observers and critics and and journalists approach it i mean do, do you think in a year's time that you'll be uh that you guys will go big on it will you give it you know will you go in with a sort of a blank slate and give it a chance, or, or do you think, you know, do you think people would, will generally be so uh, sort of doubtful of it ever ever making a success that it, it kind of won't get the crack? That, that... yeah, well,
0: yeah, you know, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. Uh, a lot of lot of other cricket journalists will watch it and, and be there and cover it and, and pay it attention. But we are existing existing cricket fans, and ironically, I think what's going to happen is that this is going to be a point of extreme curiosity and interest for people within the game uh but ultimately i mean this is thing i wrote i wrote about this in my in my wisdom cricket monthly um column like uh, this month cricket cricket is, is always going to be cricket it's always going to be slightly naff and uncool and and it's always going to be a, a pursuit for for obsessives you know slightly slightly nerdy geeky esoteric eccentric People and I, and I think it's, really, it's going to be really hard to change that, even in a four-year television cycle with Michael McIntyre presenting it. You, <laughs> you, you're, you're never, you're never really going to to upset the essence of, of what it is, and, and and that, in many ways, is, what, is why so many people love it. It's there comes a there comes a point in the lifespan of any cricket watching, uh, you know, or any cricket spectator or cricket fan where you you realise that the world is not going to going you know, to understand your passion in a way that you understand it, and you kind of make peace with that that's the point this is, this is our thing and and we love it and while you know we, we might take friends to the cricket and, and now and again and, and have, a, have a pint and a sandwich and and you know and watch what's going on it, it's it doesn't change what it is which is <laughs> a slightly weird way of spending a day uh, I, 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 I don't I, I don't see how you change that I mean that's the sort of that's the sort of uh, marketing strategy that that takes 20 or 30 years and, and, I, and I really I really don't think cricket has the has the mass appeal that a lot of people out there think there is and, and that should be fine people should be okay with that we, we we love it for what it is and that that should be okay with people
1: yeah it certainly explains why we've never never really made it in the podcasting biz does it <laughs> maybe it's <laughs> not got as much of a mass appeal as we thought no i i i agree with all of that 100% and but i suppose what's uh what's slightly frightening about this and you've, you've touched on it already but the, the fact that it is such a gamble because like it really has to succeed like you said that they, they potentially could be sort of burning the domestic game in the process so like it's it's a bit of a weird situation where we're almost as cricket fans almost being blackmailed into wanting it to succeed because there is a big part of me that wants it to fail because I think it's a ridiculous idea and I don't want them to get away with it but you know as a cricket fan in England it really needs to succeed
0: yeah and and but i mean if it if it succeeds then that that that's obviously going to have knock on effect on on the rest of the game as, as it stands eight eight franchises each with 15 man squads that's 120 players and a, a 120 cricketers are going to be involved in 100 a lot of those are going to be overseas players maybe maybe 25 30 maybe even 40 or 50 if if the ecb get their way i think they're trying to relax the visa registration so um associate nations are, aren't counted as as um as foreign players so the, the number of, of domestic English players that are going to be involved in this tournament is in, in the dozens. If, if this tournament gets off the ground and succeeds and, and, and creates a massive financial windfall for everyone involved, where does that leave everyone else? If you're a county like Leicestershire or Gloucestershire or Derbyshire, where does this leave you? Where does this leave your professional cricketers who are already surviving on, on a you know very, very paltry salary? It's certainly not enough to survive, certainly not enough to set you up. There's a real danger that a lot of now professional cricketers are going to be forced part-time because the the resources and the budget and and the the attention is going to be drawn away from the, the kind of cricket you're playing and into this new competition. And if the, whether whether this tournament succeeds or fails, there may not be a future for you in, in, in the game. So this this really is kind of part of this, this wider tale of money being funneled up towards the you know the. The, the top of the game and leaving those at uh, sort of the middle and, and lower levels with not many places to go that makes any sense
2: yeah yeah so yeah they're basically gonna be putting up on on BBC and saying you know this is dream you know dream big you can be involved in this but at the same time basically saying yeah there's not many of you are gonna get here
0: mm. yeah I mean Don, you read it like a um, Donald Trump talking about golf? he's Donald Trump obviously is you know is a huge investor in golf. I mean reading interviews that that he did before he became president is it, actually quite quite revealing as to how he how he sees his own kind of like economic strategy. He says golf should be aspirational. It shouldn't be for everyone. It should be like the the very best courses and and people should should be straining at, at the gates on the outside trying to get in. That's how he sees golf, as something that the very richest and the most fortunate should, should have access to and everyone else should, should just be gawping at. And in a way, I, I feel that that's what the ECB are trying to create with this tournament. An, an exemplar of the, the very best players in the world playing in this little gated community uh, and, and being well re- remunerated for the privilege, whereas everyone else is kind of straining at the gates on the outside, uh, hoping for, for, for scraps from, from, from the main pile that's what that's what depresses me more than anything actually it, it, it's not you know it's not kind of the mixed messaging or the, or the stupid franchises or, or five all overs or whatever it, it, it's the fact that this is kind of a really kind of ruthless hyper capitalist vision of sport which, which I can't get on board with at all
1: yeah it's a fascinating point on which to end it perhaps i mean uh, thanks so yeah, much johnny, sorry
0: guys for... sorry so, so for not so i don't have any better news for you <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. really kind of bummed us out
1: yeah adam's looking very pale <laughs> i'm just worried about our podcast numbers in the future if uh, if cricket keeps shrinking um no johnny thanks so much for for making the time uh, in and finding a space in liverpool street station to to have a chat with us Kind of been easy thanks for
0: having me
1: all right Tane well let's talk about some other things some things that are going on around the cricketing world at the moment the main thing the world stops doesn't it for the IPL uh, which is well underway was probably about two percent underway at this point I don't know how many, how many <laughs> yeah. matches are there this year but it's underway anyway in India and there's been lots happening and you are very much our IPL correspondent That's very, that very strong. that is very strong literally just before we started recording this bit uh, I said to you, are you ready to give me the lowdown on what's been happening in the IPL? And the look on your face, just, I've never seen anything like it. It was it was 50% amusement, 50% pure panic.
2: <laughs> what's it, been happening in the IPL? Thing? I mean, it, yeah, it'd be easier to explain. Well, it wouldn't be easier, would it? But yeah, it's, it's kind of like asking, you know, what's been happening in Brexit? Right. Uh, it's like asking a
1: dog what's been yeah, happening in Brexit. Yeah. It's like asking a pigeon... What's happening in Brexit? Yeah. Uh,
2: I don't know. Well, it appears like the Chennai Super Kings are doing quite well so far. Are they they've, top of the table? Uh, they're top of the table, but they've won three from three. Virat Kohli's RCB, bottom of the table, four defeats from four. Yet again. Like what, is, what is it? It's, it's really strange. They're like
1: Every year they seem to really struggle, even though on paper they've got you know one of
2: the strongest, if not the strongest squad, Kohli, for example, de Villiers. Yeah, I mean, and you'd think the way that Cody's kind of positioned himself as like the all-conquering hero of cricket at the moment, you'd think it's probably harsh to put too much pressure on him, but you'd think he'd be able to carry that team on his own, really, given that there are some you know, fairly able uh, you know, lieutenants in there as well. So, uh, yeah, anyway, they're bottom of the table. Moeen, of course, uh, a stalwart of RCB mm. now. Uh, I mean, you picked just the wrong time to tune out of the IPL because... Your Kings 11 Punjab, your beloved Kings 11, are second. This is the team the that I have always supported
1: back in the day, back like nearly a decade ago. Uh, Tony and I picked teams out of a hat to support in the IPL. Tony picked out the Rajasthan Royals, I picked out the Kings 11 Punjab. During the years where we kind of took an interest, or at least when I took an interest, they were always the worst two teams. But now, certainly the Kings 11. Seem to be doing quite well.
2: Yeah, they've got Chris Gale in their, their ranks. Uh, Ravi Ashwin as well. We'll come on to that in a moment. Sam Curran, who picked up a hat-trick the other day. Uh, I, think, I think he got finished with four wickets in a, in a pretty astonishing turnaround win at the end. Yeah, picked up a hat-trick uh, to see off uh, the Delhi Capitals, as they're now known. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so it's been a, a pretty explosive start some big talking points will come on too but some some good performances as well andre russell really looking the business at the moment some some of the shots he's played i haven't i uh, haven't watched everything <laughs> so might be it might be a slight understatement but uh <laughs> some of the shots he's been playing i mean he, he's hit more sixes than anyone in the tournament but just the the power and timing pretty exceptional well sometimes it's timing sometimes he's just it's just Utter. It's like he's wielding a sledgehammer at times. Yeah, sometimes he it's actually just, mistimes yeah, it. He, but he just like batter. It's quite literally battering it over the over the rope. It's interesting that you know
1: Curran seems to be having a, a good tournament. So obviously he took
2: a hat trick that day. He's opening the
1: batting, I think, as well. Nowhere near the England T Twenty team. It'd be interesting to see whether he is brought into the fold or the or the fifty over team. You know, he's not. He's a, he's a Test match cricketer for England at the moment. Not a limited overs cricketer. Like he's obviously been picked up and is doing well in the IPL. Whereas some, you know, Tom Curran, for example, and some of the other uh, guys who are in the England white ball setup weren't selected. So I mean, presumably, I mean, who knows? But it, the fact that he got an IPL contract could well be to do with the fact that he was so impressive against India last summer in Test cricket. Sort of made himself a name in India in a way that maybe his brother hasn't yet. But it'll be interesting to see what you know how much stock. England selectors take of of IPL performances with a view to the next T20 World Cup not World T20 uh, that's what less than a year away now
2: yeah uh, and you know on the subject of England players Johnny Bairstow hit a big century the other day uh so you know one of three centuries so far David Warner as well I mean it was a, a big opening stand from those two uh and Joffre Archer playing of course uh he's chucking been impressed so around he, pretty yeah. quickly yeah so I mean, yeah, as you said before, who knows when it's going to end this tournament? I mean, there was probably the final end date <laughs> yeah. at some point. But, uh, I mean, the yeah, RCB will probably win it now. Mm. That's certainly possible. It's it lo- It's a long enough tournament for them to turn it around. I mean, we, we've talked about, like, what the IPL means quite a lot, haven't we, over the years. Uh, I don't think we're still any real, uh, kind of any way closer to answering that question. But, yeah, it's been certainly some interesting talking points so far. I mean, uh, you know, watching some of it, I... I don't know why they've got the cheerleaders still mm. that's uh, that just still feels a bit a bit weird to me especially well in this in this day
1: and age as well you know
2: it, it felt it was, it pre- a different world when the IPL was launched. well i was gonna it?
1: say it felt pretty dated in 2008 but at this point it's quite surprising that they still do that
2: but uh but yeah it well we'll see how it develops but you know there has been one major talking point hasn't there yeah well perhaps we ought to talk about that talking
1: point so uh i mentioned this at the top of the show but Um, Yeah, A week or so ago, the cricketing world, or certainly Twitter, cricket Twitter, uh, went into absolute meltdown uh, when Ravi Ashwin man-cadded Joss Butler. Uh, This was, as you mentioned, Ashwin plays for Kings 11 Punjab, Uh, Butler plays for Rajasthan Royals, so this was very much a grudge match, uh, what's known as the World Cricket Show Derby, the Bayfield Kerr Derby, Uh, but amazingly, that wasn't. The biggest talking point of the night—it turned out to be this MANCAD incident—and it's it's divided opinion. I mean, perhaps I'll uh, explain a bit more what actually happened. Well, that's but Not putting it lightly, yeah. Well, it's actually it's probably more divisive than Brexit. Like it's 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 split, it's split the world, split the country, split families. But yes, yeah, so uh, for people who don't know what a MANCAD is, uh, it's when the the bowler runs out the non-striker, so the non-striker is backing up. He gets out of his ground and the bowler takes off the bales, runs him out. So Ashwin did this to Butler. It's been particularly divisive and we'll, we'll get into it, but perhaps because of the manner in which it happened, the fact that Ashwin didn't give him a warning at all, because that's sort of the the etiquette, isn't its is What you'd expect is that the first time the bowler would warn the batsman oh, Ashwin didn't do that, he just ran him out. And also because of the fact that perhaps there's a question of whether... Butler really was out of his ground or would have been out of his ground if Ashwin had just bowled the ball and, and whether Ashwin, you know, whether Butler was actually trying to cheat there or whether Ashwin just kind of tricked him, conned him into into doing that. Um, but yes, as I say, it's been pretty divisive. For some people, this is like the apocalypse man uh, Mancad like this. It's like completely against the spirit of the game. Lots of uh, current cricketers tweeting about how horrified they were by this. Owen Morgan saying it's a, it's a terrible example for kids. But then you've got on the other side, people who think that this is not only perfectly legitimate, but that people should do it much more, and that they think that people who get upset about the mancaD are ridiculous. This seems to be the view of a lot of people on Twitter, certainly. Uh, yeah, lots to talk about here, so, what's your, what's your hot take on the situation?
2: Yeah, I mean it is I think I'm sort of programmed now, I think, to have a, an immediate negative reaction to people who enjoy mancadding. I mean, at its most essence, you know, as most basic for me, it's a, a childish nonsense in terms of cricket. It's, it's the thing that the, the, you know, annoying kid at school would do, thinking they were being clever. Uh, so to see an adult do it, I just, it, it, yeah, it's just a bit demeaning for me.
1: Yeah, I apologize for running you out that time <laughs> yeah. when I said, no, I definitely, I did definitely, you I, don't were that I, ever, kid. I don't know if I ever did it, but I definitely, like, warned Batswin a few times. Because you're absolutely right. When you're a kid, you think it's clever and it's like sneaky, and so it's quite like a exciting idea when you're sort of eight, nine, ten, sort of first playing cricket. I definitely remember warning batsman. I'm sure Gordon McRae did it
2: at least once. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, exa- it's like a it's it's like the the ultimate for a, like a eight year old boy. Mm. Uh Which when you're talking about you know sort of thirty year old men or whatever, it just seems a bit yeah it just i don't know it just seems a bit lame to me this idea that that sort of uh is projected from certain quarters of cricket twitter that you can't sort of simultaneously promote associate cricket and (laughs) but and also dislike the man cad (laughs) it's like they're inseparable like this idea of like the spirit of cricket and and man cadding for some people seems to be kind of wrapped up in like you know the kind of upper echelons of international cricket kind of trying to keep yeah, like the associates es- down the establishment
1: yeah yeah just Which, yeah just to kind of clarify that a bit well, what you're saying because obviously a lot of people aren't on twitter etc um but there is a a kind of uh, there's a twitter set who love the mancad think there should be more mancads whenever a mancad happens get extremely animated about yeah. it and relish it exactly treat it with this kind of glee and what you're saying is that a lot of those same people are very kind of pro-associate, anti-big three. And it's like, there's an idea that those two go together. Yeah.
2: And it's like the, the, the man cadding like Ashwin is like sticking it to the establishment, even though obviously, you know, sort of plays for the establishment. You know, like, yeah, there's yeah. this idea that the, the sort of, the man cadder is kind of, yeah, sticking two fingers up to the spirit <laughs> of cricket and, and all of that kind of stuff, uh, which I just immediately puts my back up a bit, mm. to be honest. Just for the very reason that it is, it's just—I don't know—it's just a sort of bit of a pointless exercise. I don't like. I don't see why, in the current regime, the current set of laws. I don't know why it's not acceptable, uh, or, or you know, it, it shouldn't be just fine for a bowler to to warn the batsman and then and then you know they get on with the game and yeah, to give a warning. But that said, I can see certainly, definitely see the argument. Uh, you know, for it and just for legislating better in the actual laws of the game because it it seems like a quite an easy thing to clear up by just saying, you know, the batsman, the ball is effectively in play when the bowler starts the run-up or whatever you say, however you word it or whatever. So that batsmen just say in their crease and then there'll be no, there's no grey area. We don't get any man-cads, job done. Well, they've tried to do that, haven't they?
1: that the MCC did change the wording of the law to say, I haven't got it in front of me, but it's something like, the batsman has to stay in his crease until the moment when the bowler could have been reasonably expected to release the ball, which is where the, the this, this, this particular, particular yeah. incident has caused a lot of debate because there's a real question and I would say uh, that Ashwin did do this, that he kind of very calculatedly waits, like he sort of pulls out his delivery stride, then waits for Butler to leave the crease and then runs him out. So to me, it didn't look as though Butler was trying to steal any ground but you're right like there is uh there is a good solid argument for it or like for bowlers doing this because it is I mean cheating is probably putting it a bit strong but if batsmen are kind of certainly consistently stealing ground as in leaving their crease starting to take a run before the bowler releases the ball especially at that level of cricket where it is all about very fine margins and that run outs do come down to centimeters like, you are just getting an advantage that you don't deserve. So I do get that. And it is a perfectly coherent argument. As I say, I don't think it applies in this specific case because I don't think Butler, that is what Butler was doing. I think he had Ashwin just bowled the ball. I think he would have still been in his crease at the moment. Then he did it. So, I mean, you can still argue that perhaps that's Butler's fault for not watching the bowler. Like, he's, he's taken his eye off Ashwin and he's looking down at the batsman at the other end when actually he should be watching to make sure that Ashwin does deliver the ball but that's him being careless rather than you know trying to cheat obviously people people get out through being careless all the time so that's not perhaps an argument for uh, it not being a fair thing for Ashwin to do but th- the idea that a lot of the kind of mancad crowd have that it's like punishing batsmen for cheating I don't think applies in this case at all I think yeah that's that's maybe people getting a bit ahead of themselves and um, But yes, coming back to what you said at the very start about the fact that kids love to do this, that ultimately that is where I come down on this. Like, I I think that's a perfectly valid argument, but I just can't escape the feeling that it's just lame. It's just a really lame thing to do. It does just feel like it's not really cricket. I mean, you can say, oh, it's a legitimate mode of dismissal, but it just hasn't ever been. It, It isn't because it never has been. And it just feels like it's a... Bit of a desperate move from Ashwin, like, but I can't remember what Butler was. Well, on, yeah, but Butler it was, was like,
2: flying at the time, I think.
1: And it see, it just strikes me that Ashwin did it because he wanted to get Butler out, when he wasn't sure how else he was going to do it. And and I, I, not in a kind of like all oh, the spirit of the game, think of the children way, but just like it's ha- other things happen sometimes where pe- batsmen are by the laws of the game out, but it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like the bowler has actually earned that wicket or the fielding team have actually earned that wicket. For example, this is quite a specific example from a long time ago. I don't know if you remember, but in, I think, the 2011 series between England and India, I think it was that series, um, Ian Bell hit the ball out to the boundary. The fielder yeah. went to like slide and stop it. Everyone on the ground thought it had gone for four, but it actually hadn't. The fielder threw it back in and they ran Bell out and he was actually given out at the time. But it just felt wrong it just didn't feel like it was playing fair so they called him back and he um I think after the lunch break they obviously thought about it called him back and he carried on his innings and I understand it's not quite the same but it just to me feels like you're not you haven't really earned that wicket I mean fair enough if the batsman's doing it constantly like if they're sort of stealing three four meters just charging down the pitch obviously you've got to have some recourse but something like that that Butler's doing it and especially not to warn him It's just lame just don't do it it's just not
2: it's not cool it's not cool yeah Yeah. it's not funny it's not clever and but i mean it is it's possibly unnecessary because it is just a gray area like i don't know like can the umpire just call one short like yeah i agree though it's not uh, a transgression that seems sort of yeah as you're right it seems like it's fair to be punished by being out Mm. kind of just yeah they possibly do need to just work out a way of Removing this whole subject
1: no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, I think that is that seems to me to be the best solution, the one short approach, because there 's really no need to have this this level of uh, of divisiveness and for it to be for something to be so controversial when they could maybe work out a better version of the laws to stop it from happening um, I mean it actually doesn 't happen that often it 's in international cricket i think there 's only been a couple in the last like few decades. But when it does happen, it's incredibly um, this is almost like poisonous level of debate now. but But for me, it's just kind of, as I say, I think it's lame. I think if if I speaking as an England fan, if, if an England bowler did this to somebody in a key moment saying like the World Cup final, if someone you know is man-cadded and is out and England win the World Cup as a result of that, that will actually I th- that will feel quite hollow to me because it does it just doesn't seem fair. But yeah, let's stop it from happening by changing the laws. And I think, as you say, the one short thing is the best way of doing it. The, the only question there is like, can the standing umpire be expected to it's check It's a lot that? to look at, yeah. It's a lot to look at. But whether there's some way they can do it with technology or whether the bowler is just, you know, like if Ashwin thought the butler was consistently stealing ground, he can just say to the umpire, please, can you keep an eye on this? Like, so it's actually the bowler who's doing it in the first instance. The umpire doesn't have to look all the time. But that would, that would solve it, because if every time a non-striker stole some ground like that, it was given one short, they didn't get the run, very quickly they'd stop, wouldn't they? Without it being such a big punishment, because obviously as a batsman, if that happens to you, the innings is over, that's it, you only get one life as a batsman. So it
2: just seems a bit harsh, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly how I feel. I mean, but, but but that's it. You know, in this instance, I think we both agree that Butler wasn't like clearly wasn't trying to steal that much of an advantage. He was just doing what you're taught to do from a young age, which is just, is to back up. Yeah, just to be uh, on and, he, the and move. as you say, yeah. he wasn't. There is some debate as to I think people are still arguing both ways as to whether he was actually out of his crease when Ashwin would have delivered it. Uh, but there's no doubt Ashwin completely slows down and, and pauses and, yeah. So I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't think it looks great. Yeah, a bit of a shame.
1: We're kind of furiously agreeing with our, with each other here, Tone. But, yeah. Um, but I do agree with that point and I agree also with the point you made about, like, you know, it, being, it somehow has been turned into a kind of establishment versus new guard, um, you know, old world versus new... Uh, debate which is quite confusing to me
2: yeah and the, the people that have the issue or that you know there are quite a lot of legitimate issues that people have with the old world of, well, of cricket course, and yeah, everything yeah. but yeah th- th- this just seems like uh, yeah well I don't it know how like it this has, fit been, into that.
1: has been rolled into it um but the the problem the problem that we've got with this particular incident as well is that it's kind of fueling another narrative because it was an English batsman that was run out by an Indian bowler so now all the kind of England players all his England teammates Stokes was tweeting about it Morgan tweeting about it you've got a lot of England players and English pundits and people like us who are talking about it and perhaps there's a perception that it's kind of English self-righteousness you know kind of preaching to the rest of the world that this isn't how you play the game and and I can see why it's interpreted that way but it really has nothing to do with it at least as far as I'm concerned Whatsoever, if it had been the other way around, an English bowler and an Indian batsman, I would feel exactly the same. I just think mankads are lame, yeah. and uh, it's unfortunate
2: that's the way that it turned out in this incident. But it's ironic uh, as well a bit that this debate, you know, gets ever more intense uh, when these incidents happen, and you know, you know, this particular incident has been has been massively controversial. When actually, particularly in twenty twenty cricket, you know, the singles and running are just a becoming ever less important you know in comparison with just like launching out the stadium yeah uh so well yes and no I mean we know obviously we talked about at the
1: time that that Chris Gale innings that we watched in Barbados where he didn't run at all and how that turned it into if he had run singles would have been you know potentially a double hundred or certainly one of the great ODI innings potentially turned it into a pretty average one because he wasn't running singles I mean running is still incredibly important but I know what you mean it's like less of a attention-grabbing thing than you know other aspects of the game namely hitting sixes i suppose one thing that's odd about the fact that this is this has been so controversial is that it's it's a pretty small incident in the scheme of things people are not nearly this animated about things that actually matter in cricket or indeed life i mean and i include yeah. myself in that i mean i I really had to keep my counsel on Monday night looking at stuff on Twitter. I, I actually messaged you and said I really want to tweet something about this. But getting embroiled in an argument on Twitter is just not useful
2: for anybody. No, it's not a good use of time. Is it? I mean, um, yeah, you can see why though, because you know, when you compare it to more complicated issues that require you know, we're all guilty of it to a certain extent. Uh but, you know, a a, a one minute clip where you can everyone can pass judgment. Yeah, is, uh, is easier to pass judgment than something that's Requires a bit of <laughs> yeah, a bit of thought, hard work, bit of thought, which is why. Um, but it's also so, we talked about it for about forty minutes. I think
1: it just also people fall very clearly into one of two camps for for whatever reason. It seems people are either very pro or very anti mancad, and so there is this kind of binary um, tension that there isn't for as you say more kind of nuanced things. Um, but yeah, we've probably talked about it long enough. But perhaps perhaps the the whole cruising world can. Can move on. I mean, they have. It was like two weeks ago now. Yeah, we're still Uh, uh, raging.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're simmering away.
1: We've come in very late. Much like Brex. That's the end of the show, Tane. Have you enjoyed yourself today? Yeah, it's been good. Thanks again to Johnny for coming on the podcast. What's going on at the moment, then, Tane? You seem to have been zipping about all over the place. From one Channel Island to another. Yeah, just
2: always touring the Channel Islands. You're in Guernsey, you're in Jersey, you're in Alderney, but then actually, as it turns out, most of the time you're here watching Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I just check in in other places just to throw you off the scent. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's all good. Got a busy, busy few weeks ahead. Uh, We've mentioned it before, but there's the the European World... There's the European... (laughs) if <laughs> <laughs> so it's called, what's it called? Basically, there's cr- some cricket happening in Guernsey in a few weeks. The European qualifier for the global qualifier for the qualifier for the T Twenty World Cup in 2020. It's crystal clear. Australia. Right? Yeah, exactly. So if Guernsey or Jersey win the six team tournament that's taking place in Guernsey in a few weeks, they'll go through to the, gr- the global qualifier, which I don't know how many teams go through from that to the preliminary stage of the T20 World Cup, which some people would refer to as a qualifier. Right. So it's, it's a long journey, but it's cool. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So we'll be down there. The road to Australia. Exactly. So that's in Guernsey. That's in Guernsey. So you're going to be
1: down there reporting for the TV. And perhaps I'll come and join you and we'll do a bit of podcasting. Definitely.
2: Who's coming? Germany are playing, aren't they? Germany, yeah, with a few county players in their midst. They've got some ringers, haven't they? Oli Rayner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Germany, Italy... Guernsey, Jersey, Denmark and one other you should know this Tone, it's quite literally your job. Yeah, so it's Guernsey Jersey, Germany Denmark and Norway and Italy That's exciting, that's going to be fun Is it at one ground or is it multiple grounds? Uh, Two grounds, yeah. KG5 KG5 and the college field Nice. Yeah, so that should be be really good. College field, my old stomping ground as
1: second 11 player of the year (laughs) (laughs) I might bring my award down <laughs> Just show Ollie Rayner, see what he makes of it. Looking forward to it. There's plenty of cricket coming up. Actually, more IPL. The county season starts very soon. Looking ahead to uh, England's massive summer of cricket, which of course gets underway in a month or so. So it's uh, going to
2: be something else, isn't it? Because yeah, I think they. Uh, I read the. It was the first time since 1914 that first class that first class cricket was played in GMT really yeah that's a good fact it's a good start isn't it uh and yeah so i mean and it's a busy summer as we well know it's a very busy
1: summer and of course we're going to be covering all of it so lots of podcasting to do over the next weeks and months uh in the interim you can get more involved in the world creek show on the internet we're on social media you can you can find us there you can like us on the evil social media conglomerate facebook facebook.com slash cricket show we're on twitter as well at cricket show tony's verified at tony cover i'm at adam bayfield 12 do don't have as many followers at tony as tony but i'm not or as, bit- or, or as many verifications not bitter about it at all i think you can i don't know it's, a, yeah, <laughs> it's hard to tell well you only get notification you only get mentions and <laughs> stuff from verified accounts now don't you yeah so? exactly that's why you're always ignoring me when i say do you want to come out and play and you're just watching game of thrones um we're on instagram at world cricket show can send us an email worldcrickishow at gmail.com and if you'd like to support the show there's a couple of ways to do that you can do it with your hard-earned cash at patreon.com slash cricket show or another fantastic way of doing it is just to uh, review and rate us not necessarily in that order uh on itunes or whatever podcast platform you use and the only other thing to say is that we do have another podcast which is about movies check out the little film podcast on all good podcast things but that's it i think what's going on this week tone uh, what's happening? Do you want to do park run? I can't do park run actually this Saturday. You've, <laughs> you've got out of it. I'm working this Saturday. I've started doing this. Yeah, that's good. People who don't know what park run is, it's like a. Uh, it's been going for about 10 years. It's, it's a very well known thing, but just uh Yeah, every Saturday morning all over the is it uk all over uk all over oh, the world I think probably the world now i don't know yeah kind of organized things so i've been doing guernsey park run the last couple of weeks yeah i really enjoyed it i mean it's one of those things where i got into running about a year ago and now i won't shut up about yeah. it uh, but yeah went and did park run for the first time but i said to you i did that thing which i knew i would do told myself not to do but did anyway and just went out way too fast <laughs> at the start uh just like saw you know Saw the guys who were clearly very good runners sprint out of the blocks. I was like, oh, I'll just keep up with them. I'll be fine. Yeah, I don't think I've ever run a kilometre in less than five minutes when I'm out running on my own. And I did the first two in like 4.12 and 4.20 or something. i went right, Mo. Just really struggling at half,
2: by the halfway stage. <laughs> You're just Mo <Mo-botting> along <laughs> for the first two kilometres. <laughs> exactly. And crawled over the line. And I was really tough at the end. Yeah. It is good. I mean, organized events, yeah, I don't know. I've, I haven't done many, but I did. The only organized run I've ever done was on the runway at Guernsey Airport. Yeah, the uh, runway run. The runway run a couple of years ago, and it started, I think it started about 11.45, and I uh, got back from holiday that day, because uh, I'd sort of signed up with a couple of colleagues at work. Got back from holiday that day, and then there was a, a family... Uh, birthday that evening so i had a few like a couple of beers and quite a few canapes jet and then, lags and went and did the run and it was the fastest five K have ever run what did you do it in i was like i don't know it was like 25 30 or something like that that's pretty good. just like I, I, yeah it's not it's faster than i usually run but i mean it was quite surreal because i was a little bit tipsy it was pitch black except for runway lights silence because like they were like oh don't run with music right so yeah, it was quite a surreal experience that's weird um, well, maybe you can come and join me in uh, the park run as well. I've invited yes, you, catch, you to keep up with up, me. <laughs> I've invited
1: you to uh, the two that I've done, but you keep coming up with excuses. <laughs> yeah. Keep spluttering excuses. I'm in Jersey. I'm watching Game of Thrones. But I'm at my dentist's bar mitzvah or whatever.
2: No, we will do it. We'll we'll post a picture when we do it. You looking serene? Think it's we're pretty really competitive. We? Like, <laughs> there's a swim, isn't there, in Guernsey? The castle swim. Mm which takes place from like one... uh, It's like a slipway to a castle every year, Charity Swim, uh, which we got quite competitive out of you, like, well, quite a few years ago. Yeah. I haven't done it for a while now. But uh, we might push each other on. Yeah. I just wouldn't want to lose to you, though. I know. Well,
1: I beat you a couple of times and you beat me a couple of times. But there was one year where I beat you and you were quite... You threw a bit of a wobbly (laughs) afterwards and claimed you'd lost because you stopped to look at a boat. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) It's just don't stop to look at
2: a boat if you if I beat you at park run, you claim that you were looking at a boat I'm, I'm not going to be impressed no, I think we should in the spirit of the the spirit of park run, we can cross the line together <laughs> holding hands yeah <laughs> that kind of implies <laughs> that we're going to win. But like go through the tape i'll just man cad you at the last moment (laughs) whatever the running equivalent of man cadding is just take out my heels yeah just take it on the final stretch just trip you
1: uh oh well that's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to that well until then until we next meet that's all from all of us here stay in school everyone and we'll talk to you soon bye bye for now (laughs) yeah fine tony's unwrapping his start i've been waiting
2: to do that for months I can smell your fear da da ba
1: Shall we talk about the man-cad? Do you want to start by, like, just giving me a a quick lowdown on what's happened in the IPL? And then we can get (laughs) your face (laughs) there. Your face there. (laughs) It's like a combination of... Of amusement and panic. <laughs> yeah. It's true. let know what's coming. Fifty percent fifty percent amusement, fifty percent panic when I asked you that question.
2: <laughs> uh well it's, it's
1: I'll ask you it more I'll ask you it properly. That was it's, really funny.
2: It's happening, basically. The long night is coming. Nick night is coming. We <laughs> <laughs> better get into it. Now. <laughs>
1: Nick Knight is coming. I'd love to see, like, a Game of Thrones
2: parody with Sky Sports commentators. If they haven't done that for the Ashes (laughs) this summer, they've really missed the trick. Yeah, Yeah, Nick Knight is a a white walker.
1: Yeah. Rob Key in the Night's Watch. Well, no, Nick Nick Knight's got to be in the (laughs) Night's Watch, hasn't
2: he? Come on, it's obvious. obvious. Yeah, true. Come on, Kerr. In the the sort of the black kind of fur. Yeah. The Night's Watch. That's great.